Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Orthopod. I'm Mo Bendari, Editor-in-Chief of OrthoEvidence, and I have the distinct pleasure to introduce to you someone I suspect is known to many of our membership around the world, uh, someone who has been a personal um, mentor to me and I think to many others. This is uh, Professor James Waddell. He's a professor of orthopedic surgery at the University of Toronto. He also holds the prestigious position of the Secretary General of CECOT, which is a global organization of orthopedics and traumatology. Uh, he is a distinguished member of the Order of Canada. And it goes without saying that he has mentored countless, I'd say thousands probably, um, surgeons and trainees around the world and continues to do, uh, to do so. Welcome, Dr. Waddell. Thanks very much. Mo. <laughs> I, I can keep going on and on, but I mean, that's, you know, it is. I, I, no, well, thank you. I'm a huge, a huge fan. But anyways, <laughs> um, it, it's very fitting, um, Dr. Waddell, to speak about what I would say leadership. And there's a, a number of areas where I know you could speak at length. But I do think now more than any other time, uh, understanding uh, your thinking about change and leadership and how we have to shift the way we run organizations. And I know you are involved in many. And I wonder if you could just speak to a little bit about the current climate and how that's changed your view of how we must lead. Thanks, Mo. And I appreciate you asking me to participate uh, in this uh, broadcast. I think I was... Uh, struck by how we've had to change so uh, dramatically and so quickly in how we uh, do business as medical organizations. Now, I think virtually every medical organization in the world has been negatively affected by the COVID uh, pandemic. Virtually none of us were using um, uh, what I would call imaging technology uh, to either present our material or to hold uh, business meetings. And uh, I think in, in medicine, we've been able to learn uh, a good deal from uh, industry as they've been forced to switch to uh, virtual meetings. Um, and they've had more experience with virtual meetings as well over, um, I think, uh, three or four years. But that's been accelerated dramatically in the last uh, three to four months. So uh, CCOT as you mentioned, is a big international organization. It has members in over 100 countries. And um, so all the lessons that we've learned from local meetings, like the Canadian meetings and the American meetings, we've tried to apply to this international group as well. But there are a number of challenges there. Uh, first of all, you've got 12 time zones. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got... Um, uh, in many of our uh, countries, uh, membership countries, uh, computer access is not, uh, is not that simple. It's not guaranteed. Uh, often uh, high-speed internet is uh, hard to get. And so it's difficult to hold a meeting where you can get all of the members to participate at the same time. So what we've had to do is um, develop a strategy to allow people first of all, to keep current with the medical knowledge, and secondly, uh, conduct the business of the organization. And uh, these are two entirely different things. Uh, mostly we think about, well, we can have a webinar on uh, open tibia fractures. Uh, congratulations on your paper on the, uh, on the tibia fracture, oh. by the way. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just came out in the, the journal. Yes, well, thank you. Journal. But, thank um, you. Uh, the, the concept of, uh, of, of 
providing medical education through a webinar format is uh, well established and um, now I think more relevant than ever. And I think we're pretty good at doing that. But the concept of, of trying to run an organization by virtual means is uh, very difficult, I think, for guys my vintage to sort of get your head around. Okay, like we've spent 50 years <clears throat> doing meetings, business meetings and academic meetings in a face-to-face -face fashion with uh, months of planning, uh, considerable expense in terms of travel and uh, renting space and uh, renting uh, all this the technology and so on. And now that's all changing. Uh, dramatically. And I think in order to provide a leadership uh, in this situation, you have to be prepared to uh, adapt completely in terms of how you think about doing business. So um, I'll give you an example in CCOT. We usually have an audit every year. Uh, it's a charitable organization, a not-for-profit. It's incorporated in Belgium. And the Belgian laws say that you have to have an audit. Well, we can't have an audit this year because the auditors aren't allowed to travel to Belgium to do the audit. So how do you work around that? How do you, how do you approach the government about uh, being allowed to not have an audit this year? Uh, how, do you, uh, how do you approach uh, the, uh, providing the financial statements for our members who all are interested in the financial well-being of the organization? So that's just one small example, I think, of what's happening all over the world in terms of trying to manage this. Now, what I think is going to be a real challenge is what if we aren't able to go back to the old way of doing business? Right now, everybody's sort of in a holding pattern. and They're yeah. saying, well, you know, this is just going to be this year. Next year, we'll have a face-to-face -face meeting. We'll go back to doing business as usual. <clears throat> But I don't think there's any guarantee that that's going to happen. And people keep saying, well, when we get a vaccine, we'll be able to go back to doing this. We'll get back on the airplane and so on. And I'm not sure that's going to happen. Or if it does happen, it'll probably be in a much smaller uh, version of what it used to be. And also uh, the concept of doing business virtually rather than in a face-to-face -face setting is also going to be much more likely. So I think that going forward, uh, running these organizations, and I know you're very much involved now as the president of the Canadian Orthopedic Association right. about how you're going to do this. Yeah. And so how, how do we know if we're going to have a COA meeting next year? How do we know if we're going to have a CCOT meeting next year? And if we do have a meeting, how many people are going to come? You know, how many people are going to be comfortable about getting on an airplane and coming to a meeting? being in a room with two or 300 other people that uh, have come from all across the country or all around the world. And maybe your hospital's not going to let you do that. Maybe your hospital's going to say you can't go to a meeting like that or else when you come back, you can't go to work. So right. these are all challenges that, uh, that we're facing now. And in the face of the uncertainty, um, we're sort of planning on trying to go ahead with a face-to-face -face meeting and the business, the business part of the meeting, which is very important for us, but we're prepared to do it virtually as well. And uh, so we're keeping, we're keeping our options open. I suspect 
that there'll be a lot more of this uh, virtual business meeting than face-to-face -face business meeting in the future. And do you think that that means you have to rethink? Because, because one of the biggest challenges, you know, even at the Canadian Orthopedic Association level, but you know pretty well every association worldwide in orthopedics has faced this issue, which is where do you, how do you bring value to the members? Like what is it that, I mean, what is it the members ultimately want? And there has been, I think, in many places, you know, that annual get together was a very important part of it, or the actual mixing right. has been part don't think virtual replaces that. I don't think it ever will replace that. But let's just say to your point, you don't get to a big meeting next year. Right. What are then like what what does the new organization look like to you? Or what or what is going what what will it have to look like to us? Is it just going to be a series of webinars monthly put out as content? Or how else how else are we going to, I guess, engage the global community? Um, if not virtually, I guess. I think that's a great question. You know, orthopedic surgeons, well, all human beings are social, but orthopedic surgeons are the most so social of all. If you, if you talk to your surgical colleagues, um, you know, orthopedic surgeons have always been uh, great meeting goers. They like to go and present their stuff. We have things that none of the other organizations have, like the carousel with all the presidents traveling around, the North American Traveling Fellowship, the ABC Traveling Fellowship, and now innumerable fellowships and knee surgery and spine surgery and so on. I mean, we like doing this. We like getting together. We like talking to our friends and sharing experiences. And I don't think we'll be able to duplicate that virtually. Not, not just the cocktail party, which is always a, right. a good thing, right? Right, right, right? But also talking to somebody at coffee break, talking to somebody at lunch, finding out what they're doing, what you're doing, and so on. We can't duplicate that virtually. And I suspect that, that um, because of that, there will be a strong desire for people to go back to face-to-face -face meetings. Yeah. And I know when I talk to my business friends, they, they are missing the face-to-face -face meeting too, because not for, not for the collegial part of it, but actually doing business, they say it's not the same on the on the computer like this as it is to be right in the room with that individual while you're making a deal while you're discussing a contract while you're talking money and so i think there will be a tendency for us to get back together again if we can do it safely and uh, so i suspect that there will be a significant increase in virtual content for yeah. uh, academic purposes and for education but there'll also be a desire for some sort of social aspect as well. So I think the meetings might be shorter uh, and they might be smaller, right. but I think there'll still be an annual meeting for most organizations. And like from the perspective of, let's just say the, like the health of an organization, is it, I mean, have you, have you noticed that membership and members are still, um, supportive of, of the way things are not the reality is is that you know I mean, it's you know getting content in some way is better than getting no content and having and being part of your organization is important but have you seen a shift in terms of members saying well if i'm not going to be able to see anyone face to face i'm not interested in being part of an organization where i can't communicate the way you know the, you know sort of the face-to-face -face way have you seen that shift um 
overall with respect to CCOT members around the world? Or has there been the same level of engagement in terms of staying part of this organization? Well, it's early days yet. Yeah. And um, so we were fortunate in our, our membership, um, uh, our membership uh, dues come in January, February. Right. So uh, at that time we were still planning on going to Budapest and so on and so forth. So uh, we'll see what happens next year. Sure. I think uh, the membership remains engaged in this uh, in the short term because of the, I think the webinars we've done, yeah. our education academy has done a fantastic job of putting these things on, uh, yeah. on, very, on very short notice. And we have a robust committee structure and uh, uh, based on clinical grounds. So we have like a spine committee, a trauma committee and so on. And each of those committees has been charged with developing an educational program that can be play, uh, distributed virtually. So the membership is getting that, but a big part of it for our membership has always been their ability to present their own work. And many of these people work in small countries uh, where there aren't a lot of people there, you know, not a lot of orthopedic surgeons. And this gives them an opportunity to speak to the world, right? They get people in the room from uh, 50, 60 different countries. They're able to present their work. And uh, this has been a very powerful driver of CCOT membership and CCOT participation. And I'm concerned that it's one thing to see half a dozen talking heads, you know, telling you what to do. It's another thing for you to be able to stand up there and show people what you've done, you know, showcase your research, your clinical interest. And I'm afraid that if we lose that, and it doesn't matter whether it's in CCOT or the COA or oh, anything else, yeah. but, but if we lose that, there's going to be a big problem with membership being interested in carrying on with this, I think. No, I think you're absolutely right. Have you considered, and it's been considered in Canada, like a spoken hub type approach, which is, you know, um, because travel, international travel may be limited, that holding a meeting kind of, uh, you know, small groups in various parts of the world or small groups in various provinces could congregate and right. still have some degree, almost like it'd be provincial level in Canada meetings, right. Right. but, you know, with an over umbrella of a COA. It still doesn't get to the, I think, the, the core, which is, it's great to see your colleagues locally, but you do right. see them. It's really great to see, you know, you know what I mean, right? If you see all the folks from St. Mike's, so you see them every day. And I'm not even gonna say what you're thinking. So, uh, <laughs> no, but- That's why, but, that's why I travel, <laughs> so I don't have to see them. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, but, and I know you love them all. So, but, but it's more the, but you know, uh, the point being is sometimes you wanna see the international group that you wouldn't see. Right. That's part of the exactly. joy of these international yeah, that's, meetings. That's one of the reasons we do it. Yeah. And um, we can't do this spoke thing very well because even though we have members in uh, all these countries, we have a relatively small number of people in each country. And we might, we might in fact have a, uh, an Asian meeting or an African meeting. Right. But in fact, these, these uh, regions already have organizations that do have regional meetings. So there's the Asia Pacific Orthopedic Association. Yeah. There's the Pan Arab Orthopedic Association. There's the South American Orthopedic uh, Group. Um, so we wouldn't really be able to uh, participate in that way without stepping on some toes, I think. So right. I, think, no, that's fair. I think we're gonna have to try to go for the big meeting um, or find a way for people to present their work virtually. 
And as you know, at the COA this year, they tried that with what I would consider mixed success, but they did, you know, they made a go of it. Um, and uh, we're thinking about doing that in CCOT as well. Not having a big, what we call the Orthopedic World Congress, but a regional, uh, or sorry, a virtual meeting that would allow people to present their work. And I think that's important for people to be able to do that. However, sitting in your office presenting your slides into the ether is not the same thing as actually getting up on the podium and having, uh, you know, 300 sure. pairs of eyes looking at you, you know. And I can tell you, and you know more than anybody, that it is completely different, right? You can be looking at 15 faces and um, not, and you're speaking, you're looking at someone directly and you have no idea, like there's no, you know, you don't have that feedback. Um, right. You can say right. it's better than just being on a telephone call, but right. it's nowhere close to being in front of people. And I think no. that makes it particularly hard. Um, yeah, I, I'm hopeful. Are you, are you, if you had to make a decision today about the meeting next year for CCOS, yes. or, or I guess it'd be later, uh, I guess it'll be next year now, right? Because yes. we, yeah, that, so yeah. what is your, what is your belief right now? I, and it's hard to guess what, where we're going to be. And I know you're not going to want to make uh, strong oh. statements, but I'm curious. Oh, do you believe that, that there'll be an in-person meeting next year? Yeah, yes, we're planning on an in-person okay. meeting. We're guessing that it'll be smaller. Right. Uh, the reason for that is there may be some reluctance to travel. There may be some restrictions on travel again. Uh, I think financially, a lot of people in orthopedics took a significant hit Right. by not working for several months this year. And um, they may still be feeling a little bit nervous about uh, about what's going to happen next year. But I, I'm, I'm planning, we're all planning uh, on a face-to-face uh, -face meeting in September of next year. It's going to be in Budapest. Um, we were fortunate we were able to salvage the financial commitment we'd already made for this year so we're we're not in a bad position that way so i think it's going to happen i think it's going to happen well that's optimism and i think we should end <laughs> what do you say dr Waddell? we end on optimism shall yeah, we I think that'd be good. <laughs> listen i can't i can't thank you enough for taking about 20 minutes with us and uh really helpful because i think we're all suffering in this moment trying to understand yeah. where to go um, yeah, and at least are. there's hope ahead and we'll stay connected as you know and continue to do this but thank you so much for all your support and all your help i appreciate it i appreciate the opportunity and have a good weekend i will you too you too <laughs> great take bye -bye. care all right bye bye bye-bye